Hey, all you millions of Design of Experience listeners, it's episode eight. Today, we're going to talk about how we use humor to emotionally engage with the brands we serve. We're going to welcome 15-4 Director of Animation, Ryan Thurber, as our guest. And hey, you never know, there might even be a couple of moments, a couple of funny moments, funny ha-ha moments. Well, at least Emily laughs. Stick around, it's episode eight. Hey guys, welcome to the Design of Experience, conversations about the ideas that make us feel a tribal devotion to the things we love. Today, we are going to talk about how fun and humor are woven into our experiences. Um, So as always, I'm going to talk a little bit about what inspired this episode. This one was kind of fun. Ryan Thurber, one of our animation guys, he and I were here working late and just kind of chatting, and he said, hey, I would love to talk about humor in advertising on the podcast. So I said, how about in a few weeks? And he said, cool. So guess what, Steve? What? He's here at the table with us. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? Yes. Uh Ryan Thurber. Ryan Thurber is here. (laughs) Ryan Thurber is here. Ryan Thurber is the creative director of animation here at 15.4. And, you know, it's funny we you would think oh good they brought a cartoonist to talk about humor but that's actually not really what he does that's a common misconception in our industry that animation equals cartoons we've had clients say that well i don't know if a cartoon is appropriate for this product anyway tell us a little bit about what you do here um so i lead the animation team which um is made up of me and a couple other guys as long as well as a roster of freelancers that we utilize whenever we need to staff up for a bigger project, and um, uh, we, you know, we use the intersection of um, animation, illustration, design, and kind of bring it all together to add motion to our clients, which is a is an important thing these days in the branding landscape. Hugely Whether- important. A lot of our teams rely on the animation team to add some sizzle and some motion design to their work. And uh, we're going to put the animation team's reel in the show notes, so there'll be a link there. You can go check out their work. There literally is not a style that I have, that you guys can't do. It's kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, really, um, we have a team that just can kind of handle the full breadth of the kind of work that that can just be brought to us. Like We can kind of do anything based on the talent we have, like strong illustrations, strong character designers and character animators great people that can handle just traditional motion design as well as product animations. So. I think yesterday I turned around and there's definitely some kind of like futuristic robot happening. Yes, there was, yes. So that always happens. Or I turn around and there's just like cool like sketch style stuff happening. So yep. yeah, you guys definitely, I never know what I'm going to see. Ryan and I actually, our, our backs are to each other. So sometimes I turn around and I never know what I'm going to see on their screen. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully stuff that is SFW. Oh, totally SFW. Um, <laughs> Ryan, when we were talking about this episode, I was talking about some stuff, like why you love this topic. Um, and you mentioned just how, yes, I mean, animation can bring a lot of fun into people's work and branding. But I kind of thought it was neat to learn about just you you really enjoy this idea of fun in art or fun in design outside of work. And you were telling me about some really neat art shows that you went to. And I just, I would love for you to tell us about some of that. Yeah, so it's always like this experience. Like, I I often go to art museums. I mean, I went to a traditional art school in Chicago, so 
I still have a lot of friends in the art scene, and so I'm always kind of going to gallery and museum shows, and I always end up remembering the ones and walking away from the ones that had, like, humor, art, like, were just outright funny, or irreverent. Like, those are the ones I always walk away from and be like, I'm going to always remember that show. Mm -hmm. Like, that was an amazing show. Like, I feel like the art world, the, the art world, the design world, the advertising world, all of it, we can often end up taking ourselves too serious and things can be too stodgy. And mm-hmm. I always feel like humor is actually the ultimate thing that elevates how we experience our lives or how we take notice of both like big issues and absurd, meaningless issues at the mm-hmm. same time. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, I mean, um, probably a big show that people would probably recognize that was in D.C. a few years ago was uh, Kusama. Mm-hmm. I'd actually had the opportunity to see her show like a, like eight years before when I was living in New Zealand with my wife. We lived there for a year wow. while I was working. And um, she had her show in the Wellington Museum of Art. And it's just this uh, absurd show of like these giant polka dot sculptures, rooms transferred into like soft plushy polka dots and just it's an absurd and funny and just like playful take on this museum experience like she then since was two years ago at the Cochran which I know a lot of people went to at DC that's awesome Um, and then I just love I mean there's other traditional artists that are popular like of course you have your Ed Rushka or your Andy Warhol that there's humor imbued in that there's a there's a satirical edge to it all. Mm-hmm. And then just like little lo-fi artists too I love, like Porus Walker does a lot of um, sexual pun illustrations. Mm-hmm. That can be pretty uh, raunchy stuff, but it's quite delightful. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be really cool. We'll add some links to some of the shows that you love into the show notes so people can see. Because I know when you showed me some of this stuff, I had no idea about some of these installations. And I immediately was like, oh, if I had known about that, that looks yeah. like such a cool experience. It's exactly. more than just looking at the art. You're actually in the middle of it. And I imagine that the conversations that come out of it are just probably so fun. And it's nice to kind of just relax in that environment and see kind of what happens. Yeah. And it's it's awesome to be at like a gallery show or a museum where like, People are just, like, smiling instead of just, like... Pondering. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Um, So in previous episodes, we have talked about how... We kind of touched on unintentionally about how some brands or experiences are described as fun. So, like, in the last episode, we talked about Slack and how part of the reason that it was such a revolutionary experience for for an enterprise piece of software was that people described it as fun. And um, Steve and I have mentioned many times about our love for Southwest and how they really incorporate fun and lightheartedness into their brand. So when Ryan brought up this idea of thinking about humor in branding or in experiences, I was like, hey, this is great because we've touched on it, but we've never fully focused on it. And I think Ryan's the perfect person just naturally with your personality and the type of stuff you lean towards that why not let's get a conversation going about it. So I think we should jump into some stories and some stuff. Um, it's interesting. I, mm-hmm. You know, as you were talking, Ryan, um, you talked about how humor is the way, maybe maybe a chief way, that we kind of elevate the human experience. And and I would unpack that even further. You know, it's, it's an uncanny, kind of almost mystical way that we can connect instantly with the other humans around us. And um, it would be worth, you know, it would be an interesting study to kind of think through how does humor intersect so much of the 
I'm, I'm going to get a little deep here, but how does humor intersect the pain of life and the difficulty of living and the struggle that is common to everybody? Um, and yet somehow humor is a way that we can synthesize. I thought about this, this uh, song as you guys were talking, a, a Canadian songwriter that I've followed for decades, a guy named Bruce Coburn, spelled C-O-C-K-B-U-R-N. What? Um, and he's got a song called <laughs> Fascist Architecture, and it's a song about struggle in life. But he, there's one classic line where he, the line is, bloody nose and burning eyes raised in laughter to the skies. Hmm. And it's sort of this, you know, we get beat up and we get beat down, and we have this struggle, we're all kind of muddling through, but humor is somehow, it's, it's hard to fake a good belly laugh. It's hard to, you know, put that on. It's, it's a way that we can signal each other that we're human and we take, you know, that we, we can be sort of trusted with one another. And how that intersects with brand is very fascinating to me because humor is not a one-size-fits-all thing. It has to be done and used with sensitivity and a lot of wisdom. But I was reading a, a blog article uh, by a guy named Ryan O'Leary, and he had a fascinating opening quote. I just want to read this one sentence. In a post-truth world where data scandals and brand safety issues are never far from the headlines, humor can help brands build and maintain customer trust. I thought that was a really interesting insight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome, um, and it kind of it kind of goes into the core of what I want to kind of dig through and explore with you guys. And it's like um, I'm kind of quoting Ryan here, so he'll jump into this in a second. But what is it about fun and humor that's so disarming and connective? And that's kind of um, as I was prepping with Ryan, something we were talking about. Um, so um, yeah, I'd love to jump into some some just some like brand some brand conversation and some experiences. Um, that we've had where we want to kind of reflect on this. Um, and Steve, I think you, when we first started talking about this, one of the first things you thought of was Target and how they use that. Um, can you guys like speak to that a little bit? Yeah, we talked about uh, Target kind of being, I don't know how funny Target is, like haha funny, but there's a ton of whimsy. And it relates to some of the stuff you were saying, like with the installation, you know, the art installations you go to. Like, I don't know if you walked in and just burst out laughing but you were, I don't know, maybe you did inside. He seems to be kind of quiet sometimes. Yeah, it depends on the show. I have burst out loud laughing at some of these. <laughs> so, I mean, when you think about, you know, if we were to just put this up in front of you to get, to get you to respond, like when you think about Target, how would you describe that or how would you categorize their use of kind of the unexpected of color of we're not taking it, like we're, we're, they are clearly having fun. I think it's beyond just their even their advertising. It's actually their merchandising presence. Like, if you ever go in there during Halloween, like, Target like really goes to the limit on like just like absurd funny stuff that you can get like there, like a giant cat head that, that I remember was really popular last year. That like people were just you know you'd walk into the store and like people are throwing this thing on their head, of course, and just. What? I missed the giant nice. cat head. Yeah. When did this happen? Oh, this was for the, for the last Halloween push. Oh my god! I think they sold out. They How were like did I awesome. Miss this? <laughs> it is interesting though. I mean, you know, because when I, if, if my wife says, "Hey, you want to go to Target?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." 
if she if she says, "Hey, can you run to Walmart with me?" <laughs> I my I just sink down into my chair and I like start <laughs> literally dragging my hands on the floor while I'm walking, like a cartoon. And I just I want to just have her drive. <laughs> yeah. and I want to close my eyes until the car is parked. It's not bad once you get in there. Not and I'm not I am not playing on the people of Walmart whole <laughs> kind of you know trash talking. <laughs> humans it's, it can be pretty funny but it's just something about the whole experience one is stressful and one is kind of delightful and full yeah. of full of you know, just delight whimsy they built off the idea of like the target run um i don't think they came up with that but that became common language among anyone who goes to target like i gotta do a target run and they just took that and they're like oh this is what people are calling it anyway and it became this fun thing and it's like now the target run is something very different than going to Walmart, going to the grocery store, whatever. It's You're going on a target run. Who knows what I'm going to find in there? Maybe a cat head because it's Halloween. Exactly. <laughs> That's hilarious. If yeah. you, Ryan, if you had to unpack a little further how you feel sort of that connective tissue of humor, like how has that worked itself out in your work and your life? Hmm. That's a That's a very deep question. Wow. I mean, I'm always seeking for the way to bring that sense of delight and enjoyment to the work that we do here at 15.4. And I think actually, you know, last year, you know, with the Adaptive Network video, which we got that D2 at Addy for, like, that to me was just, like, awesome. We were able to sell, like, delight. There's humor punched in there. And to me, like, that's the ideal right there is, like, there's something about being able to to convince your client that like, hey, like what you're doing is awesome. Like, so don't take yourself too seriously. Just, just, just because there's nothing more like no better way to display confidence than by one, not taking yourself too seriously. And by two, being able to have fun, Hmm. like that prove that, that you have that kind of attitude. And that just made me think too, when you Hmm. say that, like finding a way to have fun, it can, it's easier said than done because when if the client is open to having fun, then it allows us to figure out what does fun look like expressed appropriately through their yeah. brand. So like, for example, the Adaptive Network um, for Sienna. So something very dry, very technical. How did you guys figure out how to express humor appropriately through the brand? Well, Steve and Will wrote the script and mm-hmm. it, the script was awesome. It just had this, already had this kind of, energetic fun attitude and then just immediately it kind of lent itself when um i went into to write the visuals to just be like oh we can play here because like there's a one there's a lot being said so we can jump around with the energy of the visuals and then every once in a while i'm like we can do something like a little jokey here Mm because like there's a little bit of that attitude actually to the script so -hmm. it started off with just a great script Mm -hmm. and then expanding that into the visuals and this was part of a kind of a brand journey there on where there, I wouldn't call them a humor forward brand. No. Yeah. Um, in previous years, it was engineers talking to engineers. And, and, you know, so we really wanted to give the brand a human voice. And what an appropriate voice for them was a very swaggery voice. And so, you know, but you can't take yourself too seriously with swagger or you sound aggressive and they're not aggressive. So it's just, it's a very tricky thing. But, you know, so you have some brands like a lot of the commercials we love to watch that, you know, are done by Geico or Old Spice. They're very humor forward. Mm -hmm. You know, you think of the Dollar Shave Club and and the, the catapult that that famous viral YouTube video was for that brand. 
very humor forward. But, you know, other brands just want to own the smile. We uh, used to work for uh, Navy Federal Credit Union, and they didn't want to be ha-ha funny. They just wanted to own the smile. And, uh, and so, you know, that was a, a, a sweet spot you need to find. But it's very connective back to the point of that um, the blog article I mentioned by Ryan, another Ryan. Uh, you know, there is a way to establish trust because humor kind of comes from a place that, I don't know if I believe this as I'm about to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I think people can fake humor pretty good. But, but I, when you laugh together with people in the room, mm-hmm. um, there's definitely a connection that happens. That's true. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you were talking, did you just say Geico? Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah, I threw Geico out there. Yeah. I mean, with things like insurance commercials, I didn't really stop and think about, um, you know, why do they all use humor? And then you guys pointed out like, well, no one really wants to use their insurance. Like when you have to, it's really like not your greatest day. And I was like, oh, that's kind of obvious why didn't I think of that but like all of those insurance companies use humor as part of their marketing like very clear marketing experiences and they all have different personalities of like Geico State Farm Farmers Progressive um, all state yeah and the whole industry is <laughs> shaking its head as you say all state I don't know why it was you don't a, like all a, state uh I don't like, well not sorry you don't who's the mayhem guy that actor you don't like the mayhem is that an all-state campaign yeah i think so right and well i thought that was interesting when you talked about that before we talked about some of the stuff prior to the podcast and i thought is it because that that one uses humor in a cynical fashion dean winters by the way like there's something cynical about those ones because like yeah they're they're saying like oh bad stuff's gonna happen to you and look at this bad guy doing his bad stuff like Right, he likes he like takes delight in yeah. bringing destruction and misery to people. So it's more of a fear-based, like you better have insurance because mayhem is coming. And I'm like, ooh, I don't, I don't like him. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have a favorite? Ins- I, I have like I'm very partial to the farmers commercials because I think I like them because they're kind of dorky. Like I feel like whenever they're talking, they're just like a little bit nerdy. But it's like they love insurance so much. And they, I don't know. That's just the thing I love about it. But do you guys have like a favorite uh, I, insurance character? <laughs> I don't have a favorite, but I think as far as if I were to judge effectiveness, <laughs> Geico, I mean, they're just an advertiser's dream. They've always got yeah. three or four campaigns going simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Like they had the songy, songy, jokey campaign. They had the gecko thing always going. Yeah. They had the caveman thing going. Um, it's just incredible. And it, it's sort of like somebody just said, whatever, as long as you say Geico, and as long as you say you can, we can save you 15% in five minutes or less or whatever. Is it, see, I got it wrong. That maybe that's not effective. It's because they haven't been saying it recently. They used save to say that a lot more. I'm not so sure they can do it anymore. Five minutes or less. Maybe somebody got them because they yeah. can But, you know, save money with this insurance. The rest is entertainment. Yeah. And we all loved it. That's effective. And the good thing, too, that Geico does well is that they're, it's easy to create the ads that if you say, like, I want the ads to revolve around humor, that could be an easy thing to accomplish. But Geico carries out their lighthearted 
yet serious um, experience all the way through. So if you call Geico, it's not they're going to call you and entertain you, but you answer and a human answers. You don't ever hit like a recording. And as soon as they start talking, the tone that they talk to you with through customer service is very like, confident reassuring but they're they're light heart like they're lighthearted they're not super serious you know you it's not like a mixed bag they're always like right there and ready for you so they they carry it out through the whole thing which is pretty awesome ryan do you have a favorite insurance character <laughs> or even a past like Steve um, did? well i i i do love jk simmons in those farmers commercials yeah like he's just a great actor he's and so he's good just a, and those have like a cool kind of Wes Anderson-y vibe to the way they're directed and mm-hmm. kind of art directed. And yes. So I really enjoy him as my favorite insurance character. But, you know, you don't see humor in health insurance. You don't see humor in financial services. Hmm. Um, why do you think that is, Ryan? Well, actually, it was really interesting that I know we were talking before again about that, like, you know, banks don't use humor, like, but actually, I did a little research, and I, I found a really weird example of a, <laughs> an animation studio that I really love that does, did these really humorous spots for a bank in Australia. And um, it actually is going to sound really weird, and it, it is pretty weird, but this bank in Australia literally will give you a ring as if you were married to your bank that has your card info, your like debit card, your credit card info, so that when you go to a pay terminal, you just put your hand out and then you go walking on. So they did these funny animated commercials where like, you know, a dude wearing Speedos at the beach, like he's only wearing his Speedos and he's just like walking really You should see the way that Ryan is acting (laughs) out right now. And and he's going to the ice cream truck and of course he doesn't have his wallet on him, but he, you know, he uses his ring and then like walks away all goofy eating his ice cream cone and his Speedos. And it's just like the absurd visuals of it. But also like the fact that like, okay, like, this bank probably thought, we're asking people to put a ring on their finger from our bank. So how do we do this? Hmm. And they're like, well, I, I guess let's just make it funny because otherwise people are going to be like, ew, you, what are you, I'm not married to my bank. Like, I'm not going to do this. This is creepy. You're all constantly, I mean, they know where you are anyway and what you're buying anyway, so. <laughs> if Stephen King were to rewrite that commercial, the last frame would be like a bloody finger <laughs> laying on the ground with the ring taken off. No, actually, you just made me totally realize something, and I'm so grateful for this because I've been trying to figure it out forever. There are so many ads on Instagram in like the the influencer world because that's the stuff that I see on my Instagram of like <laughs> these like super posh ads of women in these fashionable scenarios and they're taking themselves really seriously and I thought to myself you know those products are cool but I actually don't necessarily want to buy it because if then if I buy it it's like I took the ad seriously and then I'm taking myself seriously but you just made me realize that if something is advertised with an ounce of humor I don't have that fear of like if I buy this, does this mean that I take myself really seriously? It's more like, this is hilarious. I want to be part of this too. And like, yeah, I, yeah. I've never thought about how would that bank market something that's useful, but kind of weird, kind of make it funny and lighthearted. And then you start conversations around it. Thank yeah, you. that's interesting. I wonder from a marketing perspective as consumers, like if we feel less manipulated too hmm. when there's humor involved. Yeah, that's a great Which point. Which I feel like probably... <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a very, it's a very, uh, it's an interesting conversation, and I know um, we don't we don't often solve a lot of issues 
on this show, but we've had some <laughs> great conversations with listeners as a result of the sort yeah. of the thoughts we've thrown out there, mm-hmm. um, because people have opinions, and when they when you get get thinking about stuff like you know we I think about Pepsi mm-hmm. versus Coca Cola. Uh, Pepsi has been on occasion humor forward, um, flashy entertainment forward with their ads. Coke has kind of kept it classy. Um, you know they they once in a while you know they've they've been sentimental. Um, at times, they've called on deeper meaning and relationship and community as a way of thinking about their brand. But then every once in a while, you know, Christmas rolls around and the polar bears show up, which is just, I think they're kind of corny, but people love those stinking polar bears. Like, everybody <laughs> thinks they're hilarious. Oh, my gosh, this is awesome. They're and, so uh, cute. So, but, you know, so it just shows the sort of the versatility. They've obviously got a brand persona that they want to stick with and it's not haha funny um whereas you know like beer mm-hmm. budweiser can do both mm-hmm. they can kind of they got the clyde's the majestic clydesdales but they also have you the know, beer frogs beer frogs <laughs> god i and, miss those beer frogs when are they gonna bring those beer frogs back you yeah, just you guys frogs. between the beer frogs and the polar bears it actually just made me think about how a lot of these these methods for uh, for incorporating human actually brings you back to the same things you laughed about when you were like five or ten. Oh, absolutely! And, so, <laughs> and like how maybe that's part of why it's really—I was going to say fun, but that's repetitive. Why it's a really delightful experience to have fun and humor because the best—I mean—you laugh about the same stuff your entire life, like talking frogs that have to. That, but you just bring them forward with beer or like you know the polar bears we love because they've been around forever but um there is something fun about almost like a childlike nature of where humor comes from you know ryan do you like stand-up comedy (laughs) i like stand-up comedy quite a bit i really like stand-up and i think the reason i like it as an art form obviously it's vulnerable and if you've ever watched any shows where you know comics really talk about their craft it's terrifying and you know bombing is just like awful um but the vulnerability of them standing up there and then forcing us all kind of confronting us with what's funny about ordinary life the day-to-day stuff that we walk through and how you know if you see it a certain way you can find you can find joy in it and um, I was watching Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee recently, the episode with Jerry Seinfeld and Eddie Murphy. And Eddie Murphy seemed kind of depressed, to tell you the truth. And I, I think he's probably going through one of those life things of like, okay, uh, what's, what's next? Because he's not doing stand-up right now. And Jerry was really trying to get him back out there. Very interesting conversation. But they, they talked about one of the things that they all have in common is that everything is funny to them. You know, Jerry gets a call from a dear friend who tells him another friend has just passed away and without missing a beat Jerry says oh well we had enough of him (laughs) you know he's he's just always that's how they survive Mm -hmm. and and it's kind of comes back to something we said a long time ago where storytelling is survival it's 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 how we learn to connect with each other and we instead of just you know sort of seeing the bare literal bones of a life experience we want to wrap it in a narrative 
And so, you know, Brian Regan can tell a story about flying. Oh, my gosh. That's so <laughs> hysterical because he forces you to kind of see the humor in the, in the absurdity of some of the stuff that we actually find upsetting and how, you know, he just turns it, turns it around, turns it on his head. Brian Regan will bring me to tears, even if I you watch the same thing over and over. Listened, I haven't seen Brian Regan. He really this, like this guy. Okay, he He's really funny. is like a master of the or the super ordinary. Like he has a skit on why there are directions on the box of Pop Tarts. You know, like, like that kind of ordinary. Or you know, why is it that when you're reading a book, every page, the top of the page, it tells you the title of the book. <laughs> And he does this hilarious oh, thing yeah. where he's reading along and he's like, what am I going to do? And I'm like halfway down the page. Oh, my gosh, what am I reading? Oh, it looks up top. Okay, okay, okay. I, I can't tell you the number of times uh, like Michelle and I, my wife, will be at a party and she'll start talking about the book she's reading. And then she'll turn to me. It's not a book I'm reading. <laughs> she'll be like, um, oh, what's the book called again? And, of course, I'll know the title. I'm like, well, you're the one reading it. And the title is printed at the top of every <laughs> single page. So, yeah, somehow it, it makes sense. It needs to be there. <laughs> he, um, Brian Regan, it's not really a Brian Regan commercial, but he, you know, I've, I've actually am fascinated with comics and their different approaches. And he's somebody that can do clean. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they, the comics talk amongst themselves about, you know, how hard that is. And, you know, it's great if you can do it because you get booked at all the corporate gigs, which are pay, which pay really well. And, you know, you can do any TV show and you don't have to rewrite your act and all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, I think I would agree with Emily that he's really good at just sort of telling stories. I think that's I like I like storytelling comics more than I like jokesters. You know, guys that just get up there and tell jokes. It's why I don't care much for the opening monologues of some of the late night shows because they just tell a string of jokes. Jimmy Fallon just tells joke after joke after joke. Stephen Colbert, he'll he'll get you into story, or Trevor Noah, he'll he'll get you into a long narrative. So I love that stuff. We should have done this when we were talking about Target, other in-store kind of brain experiences that are humorous. Because I actually feel like that's a weird thing to think about that doesn't mm-hmm. happen a lot. Okay. Um, this also goes back to when Michelle and I lived in New Zealand. And uh, there was a burger chain there. Oh, that's right. only had two locations, but it was called Murder Burger. <laughs> Wowza. <laughs> and and their, their logo was a kitten with laser, shooting lasers out of his eyes. You think that's the original so, cat with lasers coming out of his eyes? Is it from I, Murder Burger? I... I can't imagine. That Can the source that of that be tracked? It would be nice <laughs> if it was them, but one would hope you're only eating a murdered cow. Yeah, well, wait. Why was there a logo a cat? If just it, it's uh, to to heighten the comedy, okay. to heighten the sense. Here, I see, of I'm the being absurdity, too serious. I'm being too serious. <laughs> to heighten the sense of the absurdity of the fact that we murder cows to eat. <laughs> But they're okay with it. They're like, yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. So just come on in and have a burger. Exactly. And like, so at first, awesome. like, I, I'm walking up and I see that sign and I'm just like, we've got to go here. <laughs> we've got to have burgers. And Michelle's vegetarian. So I'm just like, well, you're just coming. I'll order you some fries. <laughs> but I'm having a burger. And um, then also when you go in to heighten the absurdity and just how ridiculous the experience was. They had a picture of the cow they were currently serving, <laughs> and it was it had like a name underneath it, like we're currently serving Bessie. 
<laughs> wow. Oh my gosh, I love it. It reminds me of a failed business idea I had that I never acted on. Uh, uh, somebody might steal it, but let's put it on air. It was a concept called the Killin' Grill. What? The Killin' Grill. Live food served dead. And you get to kill your own food before you eat it. And it's a way to connect people with what's actually going on instead of calling it, you know, poultry. Well, that's not a good example because we do eat chicken, but we don't eat pig. We eat pork. Oh, yeah. We don't eat cow. We eat beef to Hmm. kind of insulate ourselves from what's really going on. So to me, the kill and grill... (laughs) Can you speak to me a little bit you about the vision food. of, yeah, you the prop so behind the process? So you go and you pick, you pick out, what, what are you going to eat? Okay, I'm going to eat a pig tonight, so i got to go out back first and kill it. Wait, just because I know it'll cause outrage if we don't say this, like, is this, like, are these, like, happy animals, and they're just having one bad or, day? Is this a free-range establishment? <laughs> Uh, first of all, it doesn't exist. Okay. <laughs> I hope it never does. It's not a real thing. It I was mean, totally a joke. I, it was from the mind of a, d- a disturbed college kid this is why named you, me. <laughs> this is why you two are good at this. And I'm like, I take, yeah, I take everything so seriously. Uh, there is no <laughs> kill and grill. Wait, but I had a, a And close... no animals were harmed in me talking about the kill and grill. <laughs> I, I've had a, actually a somewhat a close experience to that, though, because since Ryan gets to talk about his time in New Zealand, I can talk about my time in Greece. And um, I went to a, a beautiful, like, remote countryside restaurant where you travel there for, like, an hour, and all of a sudden there's this clearing, and, oh, look, there's conveniently a little restaurant here, and there's nothing else nearby. But you do see these, like, sheep grazing beautifully on like the mountainside and it's so picturesque and then you order your gyro or your roasted whatever and it's so delicious and you can see the sheep grazing outside and then you know they tell you you know they were friends with them earlier this morning like your plate what's on your plate they were friends with the sheep outside that morning Hmm. so it's kind (laughs) of close Like, like they have their whole pasture, and then when they're ready, you know, that morning, they just kind of take a few. And, and then if, like, it's a particularly crowded day, you might be right in the middle of a meal, and you just hear this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hey, at least you know it's super fresh. It was the freshest lamb True. I've ever had. True. Yeah, I mean, they just did it all right there. That's hard to beat. <laughs> Which is why, again, the Kill and Grill would have been a huge success. Perhaps. Perhaps. Missed opportunity. One that I'm not sad I missed. Listen, any of you listening, you are free to take that idea and run with it. Just don't come running back here with your PETA signs. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, you know what, Uh, Ryan? I appreciate you bringing this idea forward. Yeah, Um, me too. I think, you know, it's the kind of thing that's interesting enough where you could just really consider. I mean, we've always... Because we it, might, all, it might require a part two. It might. Oh, man. He's it pushing might. for a part two. <laughs> it might require a part two. So we're going to have you on the edge of your seats. Woo-hoo. Waiting for that one. <laughs> hanger. Awesome. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a lot of fun, if I can say so myself. And yeah. funny. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we will talk to you again soon. Um, and that's all we have for you today. <laughs> Oh, man.
Yo, this is Frank. You should rate this podcast because, damn it, it's the best one in the nation. And look, if you want something a little lighter, you should go to 154 Studio on the Instagram. Check out our stories. Check out Workspace Wednesday. We think about the deeper meaning of objects that occupy the spaces on people's desks, the phenomenological impact of them. And, um, you know, we try and keep it fun and light and uh, just do it. Go. Go now. The Design of Experience is produced by 15.4, a creative agency located in Charm City, Baltimore, Maryland. Produced by Emily Wolf, engineered by Josh Frisch, with story and creative development by Matt DeVille and Steve Smallman.